This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, just living that best life where it's really weird between Thanksgiving and Christmas, made weirder by the uh, pandemic, where it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm going to continue to wear sweatpants every day. How are you all doing? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't see myself wearing anything dressy in, in, the, in the foreseeable future. So I'm good on that front. We are also joined by fellow TGS contributor, JT Nuts. We are going to be talking about uh, the most recent Star Wars trilogy with JT. JT, what's happening? Not much. I'm very happily in sweatpants as well. I think one of their God's greatest gifts to mankind was the invention of sweatpants. I know God wasn't behind it, but still, uh, that is one nice thing about the pandemic. But yeah, I just rewatched the Star Wars. I've been a big Star Wars fan from day one. Uh, one of my favorite high school memories is back in the days of Rivers Hills. Uh, I think it was River Hills. Uh, in Des Moines, where now Wells Fargo Arena is at. My buddy skipped school to stand in line for us so we could watch episode one at midnight, which was awesome. The movie was what it was, but just having that experience of hanging out with your best buddies in high school all day and that minute that the credits started and the Star Wars music started and the credits started to roll, like, that's still a great memory even, what, 20 plus years later? Even if the movie sucked, having that shared experience, it's, uh, and I'd kill to go back to a movie theater right now. It's good. It's interesting that you said that. That's a good kind of a, a segue, I guess, because I wanted to ask, um, and I'm I don't I'm sure that's not your first Star Wars memory, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that since you're talking about like memories and yeah. things like that uh, associated with the franchise. I remember when the like the 20 year special edition came out on VHS. That was like a big deal, and I wasn't like really into the series at that point. But that was '97. Was that the so gold I, box or the wide box? I think it was the wide one. Okay. I okay. I, I, I didn't have it. Like some of my friends had it. I still I have do. it somewhere in this basement, but yeah. So I remember, I remember that. And I remember, you know, I think just like growing up as an American person post 1977, like you're aware of what the franchise is. So I heard of the, of the franchise before, but I, I think that's like my, my earliest, like, quote unquote, Star Wars memory is, is that coming out and that being a big deal. And I think like maybe A New Hope came back to theaters for a little bit. And then in 99, I remember seeing my dad taking me to Murray Cinema, which God. I would. I oh, God, I miss that cinema. That place was yeah. awesome. I eventually ended up working there. And the first movie I worked was Episode 3 mm. in 2005. Um, Wait, we my, might have talked about this before. Do you work yeah. with my buddy Ron? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Ron. Yeah. yeah, he was a manager. Yeah, shout out to Ron, man. Yeah, who's um, virtually recreated the entire Merle Hay Cinema on its computer because mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so yeah, he but showed anyway. me that once. So yeah, yeah that was uh, that was the first movie that I saw. Um, I now remember I was ten in '99 when when Episode One came out, and so that was a, a movie that was clearly aimed at children. The whole prequel trilogy was really, but especially that movie. So that was kind of my first. That was the first movie that I saw. It's one of my earliest memories. So, um, Emily, like, what are your kind of your, what's your history with Star Wars? Like, what, what's kind of your earliest Star Wars memories? Uh, watching the original trilogy with my parents when I was a kid. And then I remember when the prequel trilogy came out and I was also a child. So I was like, this is fine. Um, and I, I think it was like later in life when people, I realized everyone was making fun of it and didn't really enjoy a lot of it but um yeah i grew up watching star wars because that's like what came out when my parents were growing up and they loved those movies 
I, I guess it's, you make an interesting point there in terms of like people making fun of it. And I know like it's, it's interesting now because like we're in a culture where, you know, nerd culture is pop culture. Yeah. And I think that that shift kind of happened maybe like late 20th century into the 2000s, um, maybe a little bit before the 2010s. It's kind of hard because kind of hard to gauge because like I think the rise of like superhero movies really kind of. Uh, you know, superhero movies started making hundreds of millions of dollars and then it became cool all of a sudden. And, you know, Hollywood and whoever else kind of realized that like, there's a lot of people who like this type of content. We can make a lot of money off of it. And so there kind of, there becomes a shift. But um, we're we're talking about the sequel trilogy. And so I'm, I we can... If we want to get get into like the original trilogy and the prequels, I'm sure we'll we'll mention that throughout yeah. our discussion. But I, I I wanted to ask your opinion. I should have done a little bit more research on this, but I know that um, so Disney buys Lucasfilm, <clears throat> excuse me, in like 2013, maybe something like that, and they announce that they're gonna make another. They're gonna make they're gonna make a continuation of the Skywalker saga. So we've just been talking about episode one, which came out in 99. And then episode two was um, 02. And then 2005 was, was Revenge of the Sith. And then, you know, that was it. It was a wrap. George Lucas d- directed those three. And then, so, you know, however, 10 years later, eight years later, like Disney buys it and they're like, we're going to continue the saga. Do you remember hearing about that? Or like, what were your thoughts, um, JT? What were, what were your thoughts when Disney... It's it's in the news that Disney has purchased Lucasfilm from George Lucas, and they're gonna make a, a sequel trilogy to the to the original trilogy. Like, what was what, were you on board with it? Did you have oh, some reservations? Like, what oh, did no. you, what were you thinking? No reservations at all. It, to me, George Lucas and Vince McMahon are kind of the same thing, where they've created this entity, this entire universe, which is awesome, but they need to step away from it. But their pride won't let them get away from it. Like, yes, you invented what it is, and it's awesome, but you've got these old three stooges ideas and they need to go away. Like George Lucas drove me nuts with the, when he read like did the remastered OG trilogies where it's like, Oh look, we just put some stormtroopers in the background that are getting messed up by some banter or whatever. It's like, it's not necessary. Like the fact that like George Lucas has no part of this after the prequels. I'm like, I'm all on board. Part of me is like, I hate the fact that Disney owns everything, but they do everything so well. So I was definitely on board. I was definitely excited. And to finally, because my buddies who were much, 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 much more into Star Wars than I was growing up were like, actually, Leia's the badass of the family. Like, honestly, she, there's some saying she was a chosen one, but actually going to see that arc continue after what happened with Return of the Jedi. I was really excited and I just and seeing when they had uh God was it Abrams that got tagged as like Abrams doesn't do bad work at all like he doesn't waste time like we'll get into it here where um, Rion Johnson is a good at good director uh, Knives Out is a terrific movie but he always puts too much in and it always goes just a little long which is all right with Star Wars but sometimes like you know what it doesn't need to be two and a half hours it can just be two hours but. Yeah, I was so freaking excited when it came out and when it uh when it did, my expectations were met. Like the last time I was that excited is when episode one was coming out back in high school. So I definitely geeked out and had like little kid moment and yeah. So So we, we have a lot in our in our outline about the Force Awakens. So I kinda wanted to talk about that a little bit. Before we get into that, Emily, just kind of similar to JT, like what were your thoughts on when you hear about the force awakens coming out and JJ Abrams is directing, and there's going to be this new star Wars movie coming out in 2015. What were your thoughts on it? Were you excited for it too? Or how, how did you, how did you feel about that? I think I was excited about it. And I, because I remember when Lucasfilm was acquired by Disney and I'm like, okay, well, Disney is acquiring everything. It didn't mean like too much to me because it was like, the early 2010s. And so I was getting out of high school into college where I, it, what you care about is not who's getting acquired by who. Um, and I, I remember being like, Oh, this will be really exciting to watch this. 
And like, maybe it was just the circle I was in. They were like, I'm not so sure if this is going to be good. Uh, that doesn't mean that we didn't go see it and um, had pretty managed expectations for what the trilogy could be. Um I have a friend from college who would read like the different books. Like he's super into Star Wars. And so he's like, oh, they can go in like so many different directions with this. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to like pull from all these different books, all the world that has been built out from the original movies. So um, that was kind of like where I was at with it. And of course, um, I had to watch all of them when they all came out, uh, regardless of how I felt about them. Yeah, I think for me, I J.J. Abrams had like they he had done Star Trek, like he had kind of re reinvigorated that franchise, and like the first Star Trek movie that he did, which came out in like '08 or '09, I loved. I loved that movie, and so I was like, I I had heard that they had offered it to him, and he actually turned him down at first, the Star Wars one, and then yeah. they like reoffered it to him, and he he, he accepted it. And I imagine in my head, I was probably like, they probably offered him like, okay, we'll give you $5 million to do this movie. And he's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm honored. I love Star Wars. I'm a big fan. I just don't know if it's right for me. I probably, I'm, I'm just going to pass. And then they came back like, all right, we'll give you $15 million to do it. He's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, was, I, I was excited about it. And I was... I think that I actually, I watched the, the original trilogy in full for the first time when I was 22. So that would have been 2013. I think I did that maybe after Disney had bought Lucasfilm. And I don't know if I just wanted to like go back. You know, I'd seen, I've, I'm pretty sure I'd seen the first one like on TV or something when I was younger. But I, my roommate at the time, one of my roommates at the time, I was living with two guys back then. And one of them, who's a good friend of mine, he had the, like, he had him on Blu-ray. And so I just, I, I took a week and I watched all three. And I liked them. The first one, you know, New Hope I'd seen before and it was, you know, it's good. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is one of those movies where it's like, it has such a big reputation as being like this great movie. And I remember watching it and being like, it was one of the the first movies that I watched. That's one of the, I, it, I like watched it and was like, okay, it's as good as people say it is. Like it, it was just phenomenal. I, it was really, really good. And the third one, I didn't like as much of the first two, but it was still good. And so, you know, with that history in my head, I was, I like went into the first one and I, I really enjoyed the first movie. Um, I want I want to talk. We can let's let's start with 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 Force Awakens because I have a different of a, I have a difference of opinion. I think from from JT at least in okay. terms of the in terms of the sequel trilogy because I like the first one. I think we both like. I think all of us like the first one. Yes. I think I think Episode Eight is a masterpiece. I think The Last Jedi is. A, I love that movie, um, and I'm biased because I love Ryan Johnson. Everything you said about Knives Out is true, but like I love The Last Jedi. It's not a perfect film, no, but I but I love it. And then Rise of Skywalker, I do not like. There are things about it that I like, but like as the as a whole, I don't really like the movie. And so I'm I'm excited to talk about all those all three of them. Um, and again, I'm sure we'll talk about the the original trilogy and and maybe even some of the the animated series, which I'm not as familiar with. But me neither. Um, so yeah. Okay, good. So Emily, I want to start with you, and then we'll go to JT. But like. Your general thoughts on The Force Awakens as a movie. And I know that there are some criticisms about it as terms of like, well, it's just people said that it was just a remake of A New Hope or whatever. But uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on the movie? And then maybe, I don't know if you've rewatched it since you've seen it originally, but like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that movie? I like it. I, I feel like it was made to bring back Star Wars fans after the prequel trilogy and people were like, Jesus, so it is this. Um, I think that it was made to appeal to like a certain group of people. And like, yeah, it, it is very similar, like the plotline similar to New Hope, but um, like, it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. It's not, 
I don't watch it and think this isn't Star Wars or this isn't um this doesn't fit into like what I would want. Like it it works. Um and so I thought I thought it was like a very strong start while also managing expectations because I I mean if the Force Awakens had been too extreme in terms of like the storyline where fans would have to be like, wait, how did you get to this? Like what where's this coming from? Like even if it fit in that like storyline, even if it was like canon, like you you don't want to have to make the viewer work too much because um groups of people like are not willing to do that. So it's a very strong start, in my opinion. I agree with you so much about it had a tough job to do in terms of like bringing back fans of the original trilogy and people who hated the prequels. Like it just, it had a tough road to navigate. So do you kind of agree with that JT? What are your thoughts in that, in that regard? And then your thoughts on the movie in general. My thoughts on the movie in general is basically the prequels, George Lucas, like the, the thing that was great about the OG trilogy is they made this universe out of battleship models and trick, camera work and like scenes and all that and then they got into the prequels where it's like oh i've got cg now and cg cg beautiful beautiful it's like yeah what i see on screen is beautiful but what's where's the content at and then when he got to the um the force awakens like let's trip this all down let's go back to the og trilogy where it's all about the character it's all about you know the landscape and all that's beautiful and whatever but it needs to be about the story, about the characters, about building something going forward. Make sure you connect with the characters because if you don't connect with the characters, what are we doing? Like, honestly, if you if you can have the best actor, you can have the best writer, best director, but we don't connect with the characters, who cares? And instantly, you like Ray. Kylo's a little messed up, but you still, like, there's still something there that might be good. And of course, they bring back all the original characters, but it's just, from the beginning, it's... It had a tough row to toe, and it did a good job. A tough road to hoe, sorry. Uh, but it did a great job of that, and it was... I don't think the description that it's A New Hope Redone is completely fair, because I thought that for a while, then I rewatched it this weekend. I'm like, it's there's certain things that are very similar, like the trench run, which is the best part of A New Hope. It's not even close. And they had some similar there, but it's also, you know, an orphan in the middle of nowhere, but... It's similar, but it's completely different. It introduces you to Ray, who's a great character, to Poe, who's kind of similar to Han Solo, but not really, because he's not as jaded as Han Solo, but it gives you a bunch of new characters that you can identify with, identify with and enjoy. So that's a, a really good point and, and something I wanted to ask you about as well, both of you, the characters. I think that one of J.J. Abrams' best qualities is like casting mm-hmm. and being able to find the right actors to, to, to serve the roles. And I think JT, you made a good point about like moving away from the, you know, George Lucas was, has been vocal about technology not being where he wanted it in the seventies in order to like execute his vision. And so he kind of overcompensates in the late nineties, early two thousands when he, um, has access to like the CGI stuff that he didn't have access to in the seventies because the technology hadn't been invented, but you know, that kind of takes away from like building the characters and, and, you know, he, he used a lot of information, uh, inspiration from like samurai movies and, 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 and Westerns and stuff yep. like that to, to, to create star Wars. And you certainly see that now in the Mandalorian, um, which Space is Cowboys. kind of, yeah, yeah, which is set kind of like in that era in the OG, just like just after Return of the Jedi era. Um, but it's it's about it's about characters, it's about people and individuals. And so, you know, Abrams cast, you know, John Boyega as Finn and then Daisy Ridley as Ray and, and Oscar Isaac as as Poe and sort of mixing them with the with the older characters. Um Emily, what did you think about what are your thoughts on kind of the newer characters who was um who kind of took over the mantle and, and kind of had to interplay with the, with the Lukes and Leia's and, and Hans of the world. I feel like they were well-written characters and <laughs> this is not like shit on George Lucas time, but like this, it kind of is. And I am not too sa- sorry about it. So 
as much as I enjoy the original trilogy, as much as I like don't really have an issue with the prequels, I think that George Lucas can put together like a very fun world. I'm like, you wrote you wrote this world, he based like some of it off of Dune, like great. Um the dialogue that he writes is terrible. <laughs> and so that was like really nice in the character development in this, bringing in all these new characters and then like kind of how they're interacting with the original characters of like Luke, Leia Han. It's made better because a better writer helps. Like someone who could write dialogue and write like characters beyond just like, this is what this character's purpose serves. Like they're, they were they were done better. And I think like the fact that in the first movie you could like get behind different characters. You're like, yes, this is good. Um, and that like is a probably a very important piece for getting people to like the new trilogy. I think that it's not a, it's not a coincidence, right? Where a movie like the empire strikes back, right? Not directed by George Lucas, yeah. not written by George Lucas. Yeah. And you know, it's considered, basically like the best film of the series and you know he provides the story to people obviously and he's heavily involved in the making i think he's an executive producer on the movie but like when he kind of gives the the world over to people he can explain his vision to people he can explain where the story goes but kind of giving it over to someone else who's maybe a better director who can write better dialogue um, I don't want to get into the dialogue from the prequels because like 90% no. of the dialogue is just oh, really good. oh god but um, I hate sand yeah, right, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Um, but like it's you have the the more modern writers now. Um I can't remember. I think Lawrence Kasdan wrote Force Awakens, um, who had worked on previous Star Wars movies. I should have done more research on this. Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. Um Lawrence Kasdan, JJ Abrams, and Michael Arndt did the okay. screenwriting and story for Force Awakens. So it's people who, you know, are familiar with the world. Um, but might just have better dialogue writing skills. And I think that it's, it's so interesting, especially with Force Awakens, where it's kind of meta in the sense of the new generation, the Daisy, <clears throat> Daisy Ridley and, and Boyega and, and, and Oscar Isaac as, as um, you know, Ray and, and Finn and Poe kind of interacting with the older generation. And, you know, in the movie, they see them as legends but then also in real life too, obviously, right? Like these are, um, Boyega had been in Attack the Block, but like he's largely unknown to American audiences. Daisy Ridley, it was like her first movie in general. So, you know, it's it's taking the mantle like within the story and outside of the story too. So I don't know. I I, just, I think the first one is, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's it had a lot of work to do, like we've discussed, but I, I think that the, the writing is solid and um, it was effective. I think that it was, it was, it, it did what it needed to do and what it needed to do kind of wasn't easy. What do we, before we move on to, um, before we move on to Last Jedi, do you have any other, anyone have any other kind of like general thoughts on Force Awakens? I think I I think it still holds up really well. I think in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, it's going to be you know right up there the OG original trilogy. Um, I think it's really weird that this movie was done with a bunch of no name actors when Episode One had Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, who all award winning actors and actresses, and it didn't work because the script was so bad. Right. So it's funny when you have a good script and you have just actors that know what to do. It, how well you can make a movie. It's not about big names. It's about telling a story once again. Same thing, like I said, Vince McMahon and George Lucas, pro wrestling, Star Wars, you're telling the story. And they do such a good job. And just there's so much of it. Like, I don't feel like any part of The Force Awakens was wasted. Like in some of the older, some of the newer movies since then, I feel like there's times that we're just, what are we doing? Like everything's building to something eventually. And just like just little subtle things here and there that I just liked in it. And I just thought it was really well done, really well shot. And pacing was great. Dialogue was great. Characters were great. I mean, you don't really miss anything. I guess it, nothing's really missing and nothing's really forced in it. 
because sometimes I think Star Wars can kind of force things a certain way. I'm not a big fan of that. And I don't really feel like a force, the Force Awakens did that. I want to throw a little curveball here because I know that we're talking about the main movies, but I feel like we should at least acknowledge. So there's there's Rogue One, and then there's the Solo movie. Yes. What do, what do y'all What do y'all think about those about those two kind of the anthology movies, like in between the um, the sequel tr- trilogy? What do you think about that, JT? Rogue One is one of my favorite movies ever made. It is a movie I saw far and away most in the theaters because it's just awesome. And by the way, everyone's seen it by now. Every character you love fucking dies. Like this character, dead. Like this character, dead. But it's just so well done. And you actually, the end of that movie where you see why Darth Vader is so pissed off, you finally get that, like that little scene in the hallway was the throw-in. And it's amazing. It's so well shot. And then um, a lot of people didn't like Solo. I love Solo because like it's depressing. Like Han Solo's a jaded motherfucker. You don't get that jaded and depressed without some bad shit happening to you, like some really bad shit, like people you love getting killed or taking to slavery or, you know, hooking up with some rich guy. Like you don't get that jaded without a bunch of really bad things happening to you. But still, at the end of the day, Han Solo's got a good heart because he's a good guy, but he's jaded because he's got to be. He's been fucked over so many times by so many people. He's got to put his defenses up right away so he doesn't get hurt again. But yeah, I Solo... That's another one I saw a bunch of times and Woody Harrelson is awesome in it. And it's so well cast and so well shot and so well done where once again, less is more with that. And Star Wars fans are immersed enough into the culture and the backstory that you don't need to give them everything. You can give a little sample and their minds will make up the rest. But yeah, those are two of my favorite from the non-canon, especially Rogue One is just, oh my God, so well done. Yeah, I remember seeing Solo. I was just like, I saw it on Labor Day. It came out Labor Day weekend, and I saw it on a Monday. I was at my cousin's wedding in Nashville that weekend, and then we came up. We we came back on. We drove down there. We drove back. We got back Sunday night. And, like, the week before, I was like, when am I going to see this movie? Because, like, I didn't want to wait super long to see it, and we... We, we got back and then on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I like had to, I went to New Orleans for a work conference. And so I was like, when am I going to see this movie? I like saw it at a matinee. I like had to sneak it in and it was just like really hectic. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm good to go, but I, I ended up seeing it. I like snuck it in, which was, which was dope. Um, it was down to the wire. I did not think I was going to be able to do it, but I saw <laughs> it. Uh, Emily, I'm guessing you've seen Rogue One and Solo. What did you think of those? Yes, I've seen both. Um, they because they came out uh rogue one came out when i was in grad school and solo came out at a time that i was not seeing movies um just life but so i ended up watching them pretty like months to a year after they'd been out and rogue one i was really impressed with like i really enjoyed it and then solo and like this is kind of the drawback of like waiting forever to watch any movie i hear everyone and like their input on it and i uh, like even if i go onto like the internet spoilers don't really like most it's hard to spoil something for me because i will forget there's so much stuff out there that i'm like not trying to hold it all in and i just remember people were like i do not like this movie and then when i finally watched it i'm like oh like this is fine i don't understand why people are so mad like it's not like it was episode one all over again. Like, good lord. Here's here's the thing with Solo, because to me, it's about managing your expectations. First of all, with Solo, I was just like, we don't need this movie, right? Like, I don't need I don't need Han Solo's backstory. Nothing in this movie is going to be like super revelatory to me in terms of like the the story of Star Wars, or you know, I'm not expecting some like big thing that's gonna like blow my wig back in terms of like it just doesn't like we don't need the movie like it's you know the movie is a cash grab and I, yeah. and I don't I don't say that in the cynical way because I mean it's Disney they understand that they can put out a Star Wars movie and make a lot of money now I will say that Solo didn't perform as well as they wanted to which kind of made them pull back a little bit on their Star like they were releasing Star Wars content like every single year and I think they were kind of oversaturating the market with it but for me, like, I was expecting Solo to just be, like, a perfectly fine movie. And it was. Like, to me, like, I enjoyed it because I wasn't – I enjoyed watching it because I wasn't, like, expecting it to be 
great. And I don't say that in a way where it's just like the movie sucked because like I'm I, I'm sure a lot of people think it sucked. I don't think it sucked because I'm just like. No, it's a Han Solo movie. It's young Han Solo. Like we've yeah. seen young Han Solo. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I don't I don't I'm not really that interested in what Han Solo did ten years before he met Luke and Leia. Like I'm just not like it's whatever to me. So like it was a perfectly fine action adventure Star Wars movie to me. It was a perfectly adequate, it was fine. And so I wasn't the people who were just like, it's I'm like, what were you expecting? Like, what did you what did you want for as far as Rogue One? I, I like Rogue One less than a lot of people. I do. I like the movie. I like the action scenes. I like it's like a war movie, which I think is dope. And I do like what, what JT said in terms of like everyone dying at the end. Um, that sounds really morbid. I don't like the fact that everyone dies at the end, but it just it makes sense. Like it's you know it's a war film and. I think it it shows people like how oppressive the empire was and things like that. I found it to be a little bit fan servicey. There's some parts in it that I'm just like, I don't know. It just didn't need, but like overall, I like it. And I know a lot of people like put it really high on it. I, I, it's a top half Star Wars movie, to be certainly. I just don't put it in like the top three as as I think a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, I just felt like we should we should we should talk about those movies i didn't want to like completely gloss over them but like last jedi i want to talk about the last jedi because this is a movie i love it's to, it, to last for me last jedi is my second favorite star wars movie um what what don't you like about about last jedi and i want to start with emily and then we'll go to, to jt what 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 do you not like about about the last jedi i i think the first time i watched it i didn't like that i felt like it didn't make sense. I felt like it was just like a wandering story and like watching it again. Like I enjoy it probably because I really did not like rise of Skywalker. And that's just once you have like the comparisons for things, you're like, Oh, I guess like this isn't this bad because this has made things worse. Um, so rewatching it, I, I enjoyed the last Jedi and think it's like, it's interesting. It it goes back to talking about like the force awakens where like, you couldn't have just come out with a movie like the last Jedi and start the series like that. People would have lost their mind. People lost their mind when the last Jedi came out anyway, but people would have been like, I just don't understand how is this germane to this like series. And like, it just, it's too far outside of like the, the linear story that people want to see. Um, and I think like, I definitely, the first time I watched it, I'm like, I don't really know why this is like this. But now, yeah, again, it's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the movies, but I do enjoy it. Like, I will happily rewatch it. Did we talk about Last Jedi a little bit, like two pods ago or something? I think we, like, we touched on it and we touched on The Rise of Skywalker and we were like, ooh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe we talked about it off air or something. I don't. I can't remember if it was you or someone else I was talking to it about. But um, yeah, I I I, I agree with with what you're saying in terms of. I think that it was certainly not what people were expecting, um, for good and for bad. But JT, what what do you what do you what don't you like? What what do you feel like doesn't work about the movie? To me, it seemed like this movie was going back to the prequels, where it tried to appeal to kids a lot. You get a little fluffy characters on the island. You got all these little monsters and whatever. And in the background, you got all these random snow monsters in the sea and whatever on Luke's island. And it just felt to me like it was a little bit too forced. It was trying to do too much at all at the same time. And once again, like I said, Rion Johnson, I love Knives Out. It's a great movie. Everyone should see it. Amazing cast. Really well written. Great dialogue. But it's just a little bit too much. It just, I don't know, it just seemed like such, we're going somewhere and now somewhere going back this way and I just didn't care for it. And it seemed like, I don't know, I just, the more I watched, the less I like it. The first time I watched it, I loved it. And then every time I watch it after that, I'm like, I just, eh, it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't seem to fit with the other two movies. But once again, you got a completely different director who does things a completely different way. And I mean, there's parts that I like, there's parts that are awesome, like Luke Skywalker, when at the end of the movie where they're where kylo ren is like fire at him constantly and the redhead's got like okay that's enough i think we've seen enough and he just goes like that was really cool 
And it's also cool. I like the end where Luke just joins the force and passes away mm-hmm. after one. He has his character. Like Luke is Luke is done. Luke is he's gone through so much. His spirit is broken. He just wants to pass away. He's had enough and then move on. I've made so many mistakes and I'm paying for them. Like for him to actually finally pass on and have that moment with Leia where they actually touch was kind of cool. And if you notice in like the entire trilogy, there's a whole thing with touching someone on the face or on the forehead that just a big deal. But yeah, just there are certain parts that I loved about that movie, but like the casino thing, I didn't really care for. The kids, like, I don't understand why the kids were there. Like, one kid grabs a broomstick at the end of the movie. Like, it seemed completely unnecessary to me, but I don't know. It was, like, you cut that out, it'd be all right. It just felt like you went too far into the side mission of a video game instead of staying on the, you know, main mission. So let me say a couple of things. I'll I'll talk about what doesn't work in a, in a what I think doesn't work about the movie in a second. Um, but I want to talk about two things that you said because two things that you just said are why I love the movie. First of all, Broom Boy, as he's called, Broom Boy. I think I'll I'll talk about him second. But what you said about Luke is why I love the movie because it's such a strong Luke movie. And you talk about Luke being like broken down. And like, that's why it's like, it's from a storytelling perspective, the way that Luke is in the movie, a lot of people didn't like, a lot of people didn't like that he was like this defeated guy and they wanted him, you know, Ray to find him at the island. He's, you know, he's been, he exiles himself, which happened in the first movie, right? The first movie in Force Awakens on the scroll, the first sentence is Luke Skywalker is missing, right? Like he he's put himself into exile and like the first movie's crux is like finding him. And so JJ Abrams is the one who put him in exile, right? Like he's the one who who wrote that from a, from a storytelling perspective. But to me, from a storytelling perspective, it's the only thing that makes sense or it makes the most sense for Luke to be the way that he is in in the last Jedi. He's taken a lot of L's in his life and the Jedi have taken a lot of L's and so he's like, he's reflecting on that and, and he's reflecting on, you know, him losing his nephew and, you know, failing his nephew in the way that he did. And so for Luke to, for Ray to get to that island and then Luke's like, okay, let's go, let's join the resistance and I'm going to lead us in the battle. Like, that doesn't make sense. That makes no, no sense from like storytelling wise. And so like well, for the journey that he goes through in the movie the, for for me, the journey that he goes through in the movie is just it's so poignant. Um, and I'll talk about a little bit more of that in a second. But go ahead, JT. You I was going to say, he, he kind of reminds me of my one of my favorite lines from the OG trilogy is, uh, Ben Kenobi, he's kind of a strange old hermit. And that's exactly what Luke becomes. He kind of goes off on his own. Right. And if one thing I noticed while rewatching the trilogy is a lot of the characters are running away from something. They run away from confrontation until someone's like, hey, you need to do this. You need to face your consequences, whether it be Ghost Yoda talking to him, whether it be whoever. But uh, Finn runs away. Ray runs away. Everyone's Han Solo and the original ran away. But eventually they have to face the consequences. I kind of think it's maybe a life lesson on adolescents wanting to not face what reality is. But as life happens, you have to face what reality is and grow up. But yeah. But no, I definitely see that. Like, I love, I completely agree. This is a really good backstory for Luke Skywalker, who's everyone has an opinion on. But it kind of lends a little bit of credence to the guy. He's not like, he was a little bit dark. He was a little bit jaded. He had a lot going on. And eventually he just said, Enough is enough. I can't take this anymore because if I keep being with people, you're going to get hurt. So he just went on a desert on his own and not desert island but an island and have an island by his own and yeah so i completely to go to go along with what you said as well in terms of like getting someone who's running away to like finally face up to what they need to do like he does that right at the end yeah he he buys them time by spending the force projection to fight kylo ren which is like that reveal of you know, Kyle Ren sw- sw- swiping the lightsaber through, and it's like it's or even it's before that, him walking, and you don't see the red on the sand, right? Exactly. And like there's little things, like yeah, it's so uh like that's one and thing in the theaters I completely yeah. yeah, and it it cuts to him. He like points it through, and it, it cuts to Luke, 
the actual Luke, like levitating and like concentrating really hard. Like that's just I like that's one of my favorite move my favorite moments in the entire series. Yeah, absolutely. But then also with Broom Boy, I think Broom Boy speaks to the point where you talk about Ray and Luke, but like someone from nowhere coming coming from nowhere and, and elevating themselves to becoming a hero. Which, okay. Like that's what I thought that that meant in terms of like him, you know, this random boy out in the universe using the force, like having the having the force ability. And and to me it's it's such a powerful powerful statement that like anyone can be a hero anyone can be uh anyone can rise out of their random circumstances to to save the galaxy or or, or to do great things um, be a new hope what, what do you think about that point I see you exactly right um emily what do you what do you think about that about that point i guess with like broom boy and kind of the randomness of of ray and also luke that that lineage of like the random person who kind of like rises to to greatness well, I mean, like Luke isn't random, but the, like Ray and the and the, we find out Ray's not that random, also. Sure. But um, it it does kind of speak to like, oh, it's more of like a a circumstance thing, less than a the universe has chosen this person no matter what. Like it's like no, like it could be anyone. It's not picking and choosing. Um. Like it, Luke stumbles into it. He just as easily could have been like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this. And like Leia would have been the one. Um, But like, you wouldn't have had to have the same story. It makes me think of like, um, so Emily and I spent a lot of time, our, the first incarnation of this podcast, we talked about Harry Potter. And so, Harry Harry was a was a random, right? Like Harry yeah. became who he was because he was chosen by the bad guy. The bad guy created Harry in a sense. But like Harry wasn't like some he wasn't like a predestined like the prophecy talk. Are you familiar with Harry Potter JT? I haven't seen a single one, but keep going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, so I think Harry, I got Lord of the Rings but not Harry Potter, but yeah, I'm familiar, so yeah. So Harry, like the point, one of the biggest points of Harry Potter is that, you know, Voldemort tries to kill his parents, right? Or he, he, Voldemort does kill Harry's parents, but he does that because of a prophecy. And a prophecy, the prophecy said that this boy born on this date, this type of, at this type of person, whatever, is going to be the one to destroy him. And there's some other stuff in there, but like it could have been Harry in it, or it could have been another boy. There was another boy who fit that description, um, a boy named Neville. And so Voldemort... This is so, like, also biblical, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) we we talk about that, too, in the podcast. Okay. Rowling took a lot from... She took a lot from from biblical themes. Okay. But... I didn't mean to... Yeah. No, so, so Voldemort chooses Harry because Harry is the most like him. He believes that Harry is the one that the prophecy is talking about um, because they grew up in, because of things, there's similarities between the two, but it didn't have to be Harry, but because he chose Harry, Harry, he gives, he gives Harry tools to beat him unknowingly. And so I think that there's a parallel to draw there between someone like Ray who up until Rise of Skywalker, we believe it's just like someone, someone random, right? Who, she's a cab- you know, scavenger. She's they bring it up all out. the time. Yeah, yeah, like just someone random scavenger from a nowhere planet. Um, but she she has these tools, and I think that it's a powerful storytelling choice to have her be someone who's just random. But I think that it's I, I think that is a powerful storytelling choice to have her be yeah be a random person who kind of elevates herself through the help of her friends and people like Luke versus something like the Rise of Skywalker, which we can talk about, where it's just like well she was predestined because of her bloodline. I'm just okay. not really really a fan of that. But I saw. Was it last? Was it 2019 that Rise of Skywalker came out? Um, 
that's this year has been so yeah, long. No, yeah, it came out December twentieth, twenty nineteen. That's so crazy. Yep. We we put a wow. Was that recent? Been. Yeah. Jeez, My God. Fair. Okay. Uh oh, we lost him again. It was like it was like two or three years ago. Yeah, it definitely was not two or three years ago. It was not even a whole year ago yet. Wow, that's, that's crazy. insane. Okay. Yeah. So, like, what do you? What did you? Well, before I, I before we get to Rise of Skywalker, um, JT, you talked a little bit about what you liked about Last Jedi. Emily, what do you? What do you like about the Last Jedi? I like that it is like a little bit different and like it again the first time I watched it I didn't super appreciate it but like re-watching it I'm like oh like I like that this is different in the the casino part also doesn't really do it for me but just like you're seeing Ray doing like her own thing and figuring out like what she wants and like there's still you still think that she's just some random person out in the world um I mean sure you can like speculate and people different theories like oh maybe she is like a skywalker whatever um so i just like i enjoyed that and like her development and i enjoyed that like finn is also like figuring out himself and it's not just like him making every single decision immediately because of ray so i enjoy that about that movie so then did you feel like, because this is one of the critis- one of the criticisms of Rise of Skywalker is that it made her a Palpatine. I didn't like that. I didn't like that yeah. she just had to yeah. be the blood. Like, what, do, what were your thoughts on that, Emily? And then I want to get your thoughts as well, JT. I was not prepared for it. And so I watched Rise of Skywalker during quarantine. So uh, like I borrowed a friend's Disney Plus, got on heard that it was like not great but like everyone was very tight-lipped about like why they were unhappy with it and i'm like okay well i'll drink a bottle of wine watch this movie and throughout the whole thing i'm like what is happening and when it like is finally like revealed that she's a palpatine i'm like i don't this seems unnecessary but that was one of many things i found unnecessary (laughs) What did, what did you think about that, JT? And then kind of your general thoughts on, on Rise of Skywalker. The decision to make her a Palpatine and then like, and generally, what do you think about the movie? I, I agree that the Palpatine move was completely unnecessary. Like Palpatine doesn't need to come back or whatever. Because all of a sudden, like I watched episode three or episode nine tonight and it's like, Emperor Palpatine is back in a voice. It's like that nothing happened in the last episode that let us know that this was going to happen. It's on random lakes. All of a sudden, hey, Palpatine's back. It's like, all right, okay, great. Like, she didn't need to be a Palpatine. It could have made her, you know, one of Padme's, you know, maidens long ago. Because I definitely think she's definitely got a lot of Padme in the way they cast Daisy, like the eyebrows, the eyes, just her facial features and all that. Uh, But, like, I like the movie overall because I felt like with – episode eight that there was a bunch of like it kind of took a swerve and they needed to come back and type a lot of loose ends but i enjoyed it like I, a lot of people don't like it like a lot of people have an issue we'll get to with the kiss i didn't mind it at all because kylo and has always kind of had a little thing for her uh and then when she saves his life and then he saves her life and then they kiss and the only time the only time the only time in the entire trilogy you see him show any positive emotion is he smiles right before he dies which okay but i didn't mind it like the action sequences were great one thing i did have an issue with was the redheaded guy all of a sudden being the spy when he was one of the worst most evil characters in the other two movies before that like he's a guy acting out and killing millions of people he's killing jedi he's killing innocent people like kylo ren's doing it on the ground but this guy's like giving the orders and proudly giving the orders like freaking like old school you know almost nazi stuff going on yelling at the troops and all that like the guy's freaking evil and of course they make him a redhead which is right because if you ever notice in these movies the beautiful people are good the ugly people are bad that's an old tribe that's what we always do but yeah just like all of a sudden him being the spider was like oh i knew it the whole time i was like really like does it like understanding one screw screw over kylo ren but 
that doesn't make him a good guy. And like, yeah, like he saved the Jedi. He saved three, but he killed like thousands, if not more than that. And I, that's one thing I'm like, what are we really doing here? So. There's a really specific thing that I like about the movie. And I'll, I'll start with that because there's way more stuff I don't like about the movie. But what I like about the movie is the lightsaber battles, specifically yes. the lightsaber fights between Kylo and, and Ray. And there's one specifically like when they're they were like on the ocean planet or whatever. And they're, you know, that that fight between the two of them is really good because it's just like it's very emotional and it's very like I'm tired of fighting. Like, I don't want to fight anymore. And like their their hearts aren't really in it. And that's the one that's like she eventually like stabs him and then she heals him. But like I thought that I that's one of my favorite lightsaber battles in the entire series. Cause it's very like it's very it's it serves a story function and like there's a story like in them fighting where it's just like they're kind of just like at the end of their rope with each other, where it's just like we we have like some kind of connection here. And I didn't want I I don't like the kids. I'll say that off the bat. I don't I don't like that storytelling choice. But like they they're certainly connected in a way, right? And it's and so that battle is just like we need to like just get past our shit because like I just and especially from Kylo because just like it it just feels like him being like I'm just tired of fighting you. Like we shouldn't be fighting. I'm just tired of it. Like let's figure out something. Let's figure out how to communicate. Like let's figure out something else because like this is just I'm just exhausted by this. So like I. Then there's a couple of lightsaber fights like that between the two of them in it in the movie, which I like. What I don't like is it's like the first like 20 minutes are just like really incoherent. Um, they're jumping from planet to planet, like it's just really in a way that's not. It's just I I, I think it's just really incoherent and jumbled. And um, like what you said, JT, about being him being a Palpatine. Um, or Palpatine even coming back before we even gets the reveal of Ray being a Palpatine, I think it was I disagree with. But like him, be, like what you said was like, well, Palpatine's back, and it was like, okay, and it's just like, what? Like this character who's been dead for like forty years, and then like out of liberate, like people just accept like, well, he's back, and it's like that just doesn't. It's like not investigated. It's not like there's like a line where it's just like, he's been out there in the shadows the whole time. It's just like, that's complete. No, he, yeah, no, but actually in early in the, in the third movie, they actually mentioned that she's a Palpatine. It's one little line slid in there that if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't realize, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. The first 20 minutes, like them force jumping or light jumping yeah. or whatever, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, shoot, you're saying something right before that. I was going to respond to, I can't remember. It was the, uh, the lightsaber battles. Like him, like Kylo Ren never wants to fight her. He wants her to join him. He's like, I'm going to fight you and keep you at bay. And she's got, she's so pissed off that she hates the fact that he killed Han Solo, that she's got the anger going on her, which leads to the dark side and whatever. But yeah, I like that too, where like Kylo Ren's like, I, I don't want to fight you anymore. And she's still pissed off and wants to kill him. And then she actually does. She's like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I thought that was a really beautiful moment too, so... And that scene was incredible, like the water and all that. Like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, just so well done. So, Emily, you didn't see the movie in theaters. You saw it on Disney Plus. You said I did. So, did the bottle of wine? Was were you emotional? Like, how did you? Like, how I don't did know you? It was like an emotional. I was just like, I don't understand what I'm watching. Yeah. Um. Maybe I you should watch it without a bottle of wine. Um. I should also <laughs> maybe not watch it in the middle of a pandemic. But like. One of my good friends, I was like texting him during it, and I'm like, "What is happening?" He's like, "I'm not telling you, but I'm unhappy with it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like, I need some guidance here because this seems out in left field." Um, especially when it came to the the Palpatine thing, like I lost my mind, and like yeah. my roommate, I think he ha he had seen it in theaters. Like we had tried to make plans to go see it in theaters, and I was a bad roommate. But I like come out of my room and I'm like, can you believe the way this movie ended? And I like, as I think about it, like listening to you all talk about like, um, you know, in the previous movie, you kind of have all of these like different storylines that need to be wrapped up. So like they bring it back in and they try to wrap up like loose ends 
in this film. And I'm like, well, I can appreciate that because you don't want it to just be open-ended because then some someone in 20 years is going to be like, all right, it's time to make another trilogy of Star Wars. We're yeah. going to pick up and we're going to talk about the Skywalker family again. Or um, like if I think if Kylo Ren had like lived that would have just opened the door for, you know, 20 years. Someone will be like, oh, yeah, like, we need another cash grab for Star Wars. Let's do a movie. Let's do some movies about Kylo Ren and what he is up to. And, like, the way they even ended things for Ray is, like, very, all right, this is over. This is done. It has ended where it started. Circle complete. Leave it alone. Well, really, I mean, what's to stop them from bringing back Kylo Ren? If oh we saw... God. If we saw Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi fall down a shaft, like clearly dead. Yep. Right. Clearly, yeah. it's clear yes. that he's yep. dead. And then now he's just like, well, he's back. Like, what's we'll you know, like that's. Well, he's back, but he's like hooked up to like. Yeah. Like hooked up to a machine like Darth Vader was. But yeah. I want what do you, what do you both think about? So it's been, a lot has been made of this, but like from an overall, like the trilogy itself, like. We've hated on George Lucas a lot this podcast, and for good for good reason, frankly. Yes. But you know, at the end of the day, at least he 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 did have somewhat of a of a structure for what you know an idea of where he wanted to go. There's a lot of you know literature out there that suggests pretty solid literature that suggests that he the the Luke and Leia being siblings was not he did not originally planned that when he was first doing it um and that kind of came later but at the at at a base level he had an idea of where the story was going to go for the sequel trilogy there it was like jj you can do your disney was like jj you can do your own thing ryan you can do your own thing and then it was trevorrow who got fired because he directed a flop and they had they hired jj to do the third one they brought him back but like they did not have, they did not sit down at the beginning and be like, "Here's where the story is going to go." Like, do you, do you, do you both think that they like that was a that made that was to the trilogy's detriment? Maybe like, how do you, how do you all feel about that? Hey, T, do you want to go first? I was going to say, yeah, you should have had the same director the entire way through, so you had the same mm-hmm. vision all the way through. Because all of a sudden you just change to someone else, writers, directors, and all that. You've got a different mindset. you got a different thing they want. Like, honestly, it should have just been the same vision all the way through. And J.J. Abrams did a great job with the first movie. I don't, I, there, I can't remember why he didn't do the second. But if it was money or whatever, like, you're Disney. You've got all the money in the world. Let's be honest. Back when I was a kid, I used to have VHS movies come out for limited time only. So people would like hold them on to them forever. But yeah, I just think like trying to put multiple visions on what should have been one vision was a complete mistake. Emily, what do you think? I I agree. I think that it should have been one, one team. Like it should have been the same group of people working on all three movies Maybe you do rotate out who is directing, but like you, you all come to the table with this same plan in mind of like, okay, we want to tell this story in this movie. We want to tell this story in this movie. And we want to like wrap it all up in this movie while also telling this story. Um, I think that if there's going to be like the, the different directors for like, it's, it's better for like the one-offs. So like, oh, I want to have this director do Rogue One. I want to have this director do the Han Solo movie. I want to have this director do the Lando Calrissian story. Like, I think that makes more sense because it, it, those are the movies where you want to see those different like visions and that creativity of like, okay, where are you going to take this? Like you have the potential to tell a really cool story here. Um, And they and they do and then for um like when it's like a trilogy or if it's just like a group of movies i think it needs to be like the same creative team absolutely i agree completely i think that um not having the uh, a singular vision from a team really really hurt the trilogy and 
you know, I think that overall we feel pretty positively about the the sequel trilogy, but you know, it had some it had some ups and downs, certainly. Um JT, thank you for coming on and, and talking. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. This has been yeah. awesome. So this was a lot of fun. We we're enjoying the series where we're where we're talking to some TGS members about pop culture that they're passionate about. So thanks again for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everyone.